All right, Home Dogs Pod, Mike Mark and Trav coming with you right uh, Thursday night before the divisional round, uh, coming off Super Wild Card Weekend, which uh, was a little up and down for us. If we if I would have just sticking to taking sides, the sides we discussed last week, I probably would have come out a little ahead. But uh, whatever, I, you know, Wild Card Weekend comes around every year. I never learn. I write a note in my phone, have an alarm set in the calendar, never learn. Unders went one and five. I took five of them. The one I didn't take was the one that hit. So uh, good for me on that. I don't take sides all year, but you know the playoffs roll around and you take a bunch of unders and, and every single game just smashes the over by like halftime. That was fun for me. Uh, but hey, it's all gravy because the Giants are moving on to the divisional round to face the top-seeded Eagles. Uh, wonderful performance from Daniel Jones and Brian Dave also. Don't care how much money I lost. Don't care how much money you guys lost. But Trav, hey, Giants are going on to the next round. How sweet is this? It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. They played really well. It was. It felt like a really fast game, pretty crisp. Not a lot of craziness. Um, I don't understand Cousins on the last play of the, what was effectively the last play of the game, checking down on fourth and eight was a bizarre move. But um, we'll take it any way we can get it. I thought, you know, the Vikings offense was was good as expected. I thought the defense was a little bit suspect. Um, Giants defense, I thought, played pretty well. And I don't know. I mean, like Daniel Jones, I think, you know, he's had this ability. We know he's had the ability. And then to go out there and prove it on a big stage like this, I think was great. I think Saquon looked pretty spry. So it was all coming together. So they're pretty lively. Yeah. And uh, DJ, just the perfect game, uh, granted, against a very, very horrible defense. So can't expect him to replicate that this weekend in Philly. Much tougher environment to play. Uh, Saquon, they only had 14 touches, which I thought was interesting. And, and he was very spry on every single one of them. So I like I like that strategy of, of limited touches for him. But uh, that was certainly fun for us. These games are wild, but obviously the, the most wild one was was on Saturday night when the Jags came back from 27 nothing down to beat the Chargers. We were obviously split on the pod last week. Pretty much the only game we were split on. Trav and I on the Jags. Mark was on the Chargers. So Mark, what, what was it like watching that whole thing go up in flames uh, there in the second half? Yeah, it was pretty pretty brutal. I, mean, I think like after the first interception, you had texted like, "Congrats, Mark, uh, good call." Um, and <laughs> I was even remarking remarking to people who I was with a couple who are listeners of the pod. Like, I almost want to listen to last week's pod. Like, be, this was before halftime. I was like gloating a little bit. Totally shot shot in the back. Uh, that was brutal. Good call by you guys. I mean, the Jags turned out to be the better team. I, I thought Dougie P did a great job in the second half, and Lawrence turned it around. But uh, a painful game for me as a as a Chargers backer. Fortunately, did not get in live in any of that bet. But at least I think you made some money back taking taking a little middle there on the Chargers. Uh, Trav, I know you hit you hit the money line pretty well there when they were down big. So uh, live betting definitely worked out in most of these games this weekend. I would say where teams that went down early ended up coming back to covering. I know I hit the Bengals on one. Dolphins were plus 24 and a half at one point. They, they easily covered. What am I, what else am I missing? Oh, I mean, it took the Niners at halftime. That seemed like easy money. They just blew Seattle out in the second half. So, so live betting certainly fun in the playoffs certainly can be dangerous, but, uh, Save my weekend. I mean, the Jags, I ended up with them. I came in plus two and a half. I took them plus eight and a half. I took them plus 15 and a half. Whatever the money line was at that point, it was 10 to one. So that saved my weekend because I got waxed otherwise. I feel like the live betting uh, was super successful this, this past weekend. But I also feel like last year that was the case. I mean, I feel like the Bengals were down a lot and they ended up winning a lot of their games outright. So maybe that's just a tactic going forward to, to just live bet. I mean, it, it obviously depends how much you can get down, but... Whoa. Just thundered. Wow. I saw that lightning too. Jeez. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is a harbinger. Don't live bet. Or I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> when there were situations as extreme as that, where it was like, I mean, we talk about turnover reversion week to week. 
And I guess there's no reason it can't happen in a game too, right? So you throw four interceptions in a half and that's not going to happen presumably in the second half. So yeah, I mean, it all worked out and it was, you know, both them and the dolphins were kind of, it couldn't have gone worse for the first quarter or first half in the case of the Jags. And it was just a good opportunity to jump back in. You know, who didn't cover live betting was the Bucks on Monday night. So <laughs> they that, almost that, did at the end. If Brady misses a wide open Mike Evans, man. Ugh. They almost could have like had a chance to, to, they had still had three timeouts at that point. If they would have hit that and then kicked off, punted, like you never know. McCarthy and Dak start getting tight, but man, the Cowboys dominated uh, from the get go. I'm still leery of the live betting. I feel like anytime I do it, it never works, but but you guys seem to have great success. Although I did, I did get the Bengals, but that took like the most miraculous fumble on the end zone recovered of all time. So whatever. We did okay. I guess uh, on the pod last week, I think we liked the Ravens. We like the Niners. I mean, you knew Trav and I were going to take the Vikings. That was a great reverse jinx by us. Probably have to do the same thing with the, the Eagles this weekend, but we were definitely wrong on the Bills, wrong on the Bucks, and uh, split on on Chargers Jack. So, so overall, not terrible for us. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a great weekend. If I didn't have the Chargers and if I didn't chase the the Bucks on Monday, um, it would have been a, a fantastic weekend. But I'll, I'll take it. Obviously, four four pretty good games this week. First one, Chiefs Jags. This has come down. It's now uh, KC by eight and a half. Seems like bets are 50-50, maybe 55% on KC, but money's just storming on the Jags here. Seems like definitely the sharp side. Uh, I'm inclined to lean that way as well, but then I always like to be a contrarian. But man, I mean, the Chiefs just let everybody hang around. So do we just play this one like you're supposed to and take the Jags, Trav? How are you leaning here? Yeah, I'm leaning the Jags too. Uh, 45% of bets, 85% of the money. I like that. They're eight and five outright as a dog this year. Um, they've only been dogs over a touchdown once. It was when they lost by 10 and failed to cover by one in week 10 in Kansas City. Uh, Dougie P, I mean, Mark, you referenced he, he coached a great second half. I thought he was just consistent. Outcoached Staley on Saturday. He's 6-0 and against the spread and 5-1 and outright as a playoff dog. Ooh. Kansas City is 2-10 against the spread against the AFC this year. In the last three years, they're 12-18 and against the spread as a touchdown fave or more. Um, they're also, you know, we talk a lot about Andy off a of buy. They're one and four against the spread off a of buy since 2020. So I'm, I'm leaning hard on the Jags. I, you know, I think it may be a little bit more popular as we get closer to game time, but still with, you know, less than 50% of the bets, I, I still like it. I don't have a side yet. I think I'd probably lean the Jags, uh, although I'll probably uh, look to do a live, live betting play. Hopefully they'll go down early, but I do have KC in a teaser. Um, I te- tease them with Philly. Sorry guys. KC has been between a seven and a half and an eight and a half favorite. 10 times the Mahomes era. Uh, they're 10 and 0 straight up, but only two and eight against the spread. Um, so that would uh, lend itself to, to taking the teaser here. If you can get a six point teaser on that eight and a half spread, you're, you're down under a field goal. Um, so I like that. But I, I agree. I think Jag's probably smart, smart side, getting eight and a half. Dougie P, a veteran coach, um, some, familiarity, some familiarity with uh, Kansas City and Andy. So I like that angle. I mean, somebody's going to blow up that tease, right? Everyone in America is making that Saturday. They, that tease the Chiefs Eagles. I mean, maybe it hits, and I don't know who I'm inclined to think who who ruins that more. Maybe the Jags. Trevor Lawrence. I know people started talking about it, but still has not lost ever on a Saturday. Mm. This game will be called by Sean Hockley, so get excited for that. Um, this will be his fourth career playoff game. In his three other playoff games, teams are combining to average 63 points per game. Cool. So uh, wow. Overs could keep smashing, especially in this one. Uh, and this over is huge. This is like 53. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. Are, are you going to uh, keep playing the the unders, Mike? Uh, I think I need to take a pause on the unders. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 think I, 
I mean, it's, stick with your system. Each each game keeps going, and I'm like, all right, the next game's got to go under, right? Next game's got to go under, right? Next game's got to go under, right? Nope, zero oh, and five, and then the one I don't take, and then the Monday night only only hit the under only hit by point five. So uh, maybe I just need to stop there. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, we don't. It's not like we play an unders contest all year. So, uh, but again, underdogs in hockey these games overall, 43, 33, and two against the spread. Some other fun stats here um, have nothing to do with this game, but offensive holding is the most called penalty by Sean. Obviously, Trav, I'm sure you know that motion well of him making the, the holding sign. He's called 44 of them this year, the third most in the NFL. Fuck him, really. That's all I have to say. Everyone's going to be very annoyed at Sean Hockey by the end of this game. I can guarantee you that. Yep. yep. I'm just looking at the amount of bets on each game uh, in the Action app. It looks like 53,000 bets are on the, the, the KC-Jags game, and that's the most by over 10,000. I don't know if there's like a wow. rhyme or reason to it. Maybe it's just the first game. I don't know, but I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. That's all I could think of, right? It's just the first game. Um, yeah. This one will be called by uh, Joe Davis and Moose Johnson, who somehow has gotten a second playoff game. And this, what? Yeah. Fox has this game. Uh, the number one team is obviously doing Niners Cowboys on Sunday. So uh, I don't know. At least it's not Alan Tony, I guess, right? They did the Jags comeback last weekend. Jags win. Brutal. Tony, Brutal. about that? That was exciting, wasn't it? Yeah. Everybody, Tony. Uh, sorry, everybody seemed pumped about Olsen and uh, Burkhart, right? I thought they did Just a good job. job. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, we've we've given Greg a lot of shit, especially last year, but I feel like he's really toned down the, the verbal diarrhea and makes some good <laughs> points, doesn't necessarily like shove it down your throat the entire game. And just like compared to, to Tony, who was really annoying this weekend, I thought. Both Tonys. I mean, Tony Dungy wasn't annoying. He just didn't say anything interesting for one second the entire weekend or, or game. And then Romo was just very, it's just too much. It's too, he gets too excited, but it's like fake excitement. I don't know how to explain it. it. It bothers me a lot. It feels like he plays a caricature of himself. Yeah. So, yeah, Olsen and Burkhardt like looking pretty the good. The biggest play. And we get him for the Super Bowl. <laughs> I feel bad that uh, Buck and Aikman, you know, they waited. They, <laughs> they waited the whole weekend <laughs> after five pretty awesome games and then had that dud. On Monday night, so so they're uh, done it, for the year. They're they're done. Mm. A little underwhelming, I feel like the and Monday night was a little. I, I'd have to go back and look at the games, but I don't feel like there were any maybe one or two, no. but any great Monday night games. No, I mean it wasn't as bad I, as I, Thursday. I, no, Mm-mm. yeah, I, I think next week or next year they they start the flex scheduling for for Monday night football. Yeah, they do, and then those guys are going to be in the mix for Super Bowls every four years too. So. They got yeah. that to look forward to. Yeah. And oh, they got the I, pro. I, I they think... have the Pro Bowl. Sorry, they have the Pro Bowl. Mm. But the Pro Bowl, they're they're doing competitions, the skill, right? It's not yeah, the skills game, competition right? could be fun. No, I think there still is a game, but they're doing all all sorts of other stuff like around it. I don't know how how long. I think the, the game's game done. Oh, you do? I haven't. I, I, I think I thought so too. Yeah, I think it's done. All right, sweet. Uh that's exciting. There's not much more to be said, but but Alan Tony, that was just awful. I think Al was brought down a little bit by Herbie this year because the game sucked and I think he needs a little bit of excitement and it's tough for him to replicate, you know, what he does in college. But then NBC should be ashamed of themselves putting Dungy in a booth for three and a half hours. He just can't. He doesn't have the personality to carry it. He just, you know, he belongs behind the desk. Oh, God. That didn't come out oh, right. Uh oh. <laughs> he belongs behind a desk where he can talk for, you know, a minute and a half at a time. 
Yeah. I mean, in previous years, he was in a, like a three-man booth. I think Rodney Harrison had done a couple games Agreed, with maybe yeah. Al or somebody else. I, I think he needs somebody to kind of play off. Uh, so yeah. Agreed. Agreed there. Yeah, but they're done. So uh, <laughs> normal normal broadcast teams the rest of the way, other than this this Giants-Eagles game, which gets the, the Davis-Moose change treatment. Well, sorry, just to, another, to add there, like for the amount of people that NBC has in their studio or doing NFL, like they can't have a, a third man. Yeah, right. Chris Sims ridiculous. couldn't have made the trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, or like, I mean, Collinsworth could have done both games, right? Yeah, <laughs> what does Herb Street do on a college know, Saturday, like... right? He's, take, he's taking private jets all over the country. Uh, Collinsworth would have been insane during that comeback, right? <laughs> Is it Trevor Lawrence? Like, <laughs> Al? <laughs> 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 it would have been awesome instead we just had uh i mean at one point literally when it was 30 to 28 after the jacks go for two and then they forced a punt tony seriously turned to al and go you know al because they went for two they only need a field goal here to win <laughs> like, well he's not wrong <laughs> while we're uh, uh killing sorry while we're killing announcers one more thing uh, did you guys watch that clip of troy aikman in the pregame before uh the bucks cowboys game at all no, where he talked about uh, playoff Lenny, like it was. Like a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did see that like, where did that come from? That was a weird thing. He was basically hyping up Leonard Fournette, like he was about to have like a huge uh, game because of his he, like playoff chops. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah, still waiting for playoff Lenny. Right, it didn't happen. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna <laughs> take the Jags, and, and then are you gonna try and middle this mark? Sorry. Uh, maybe I, live. I think I'm gonna take. I'm gonna try to take the Jags live. Is, is what I'm thinking right now with the, with the tease. So we'll see. Okay. I'm thinking more take the Jags to start and then try and live bet the Chiefs, but also a good move. We'll see. Giants Eagles. I'm probably taking the Eagles just as a reverse jinx again, like last week. Happiest bet I lost was on the Vikes. Also had the under in that one, which which didn't go so well either. But uh Eagles minus seven and a half. Kind of seems like everybody and their mothers on the Giants even more than they were last week. So I will I will gladly lose the money should the Giants cover or win. But uh Seems like Eagles is probably the unique side as an outsider. Which way you lean in, Mark? Yeah, I took the Eagle, or I took the Giants uh, earlier in the week plus seven, um, but I might cash out of that. I like the Eagles first half. Uh, the Giants have only covered four of eleven games in the first half as underdogs this year. Uh, the Eagles are twelve and five against the spread in the first half of games. Um, so I think there's some minus three and a half Eagles first half still out there. I, I grabbed that earlier today. Um, I like that angle. And then for the game, I mean. The Eagles were minus seven in New York at the beginning of December. I, I don't remember if the Giants had a lot of injuries, but for them to only be laying seven at home, it kind of in retrospect, it, it's kind of crazy. I don't know if that's because of the Philadelphia Eagles injury concerns or what, but it, it seems like the line's a little low. Uh, but curious what you guys as Giants fans think. It feels like because it's got the hook over seven that you kind of look twice at Philly and wonder if it's the right move. But I agree with you, Mark. I think this line, based on where the other spreads were in the, the prior two games, I think this line should be even higher. So I'm happy to be on Philly here. Giants 11-2 and two against the spread as a dog with seven outright wins this year. They're 8-1 and one against the spread on the road. I don't know, they've covered five of their last six in Philly. So if I didn't have the reverse jinx aspect here, I think I would think a little bit harder about the Giants. But... I don't, uh, you know, I think I'm going to take Philly and just let it go. I would take, uh, I don't know what the odds are on Slayton to score a touchdown. I would, I would sprinkle a little bit on that. Interesting. Not Hodgins. I would go Slayton because I think I, this is just my dumb brain. I think Dable, good man management, you know, after the Slayton drop last week, mm. even before the game ended and I could see him trying, you know, he can scheme a play up here or there to get a guy just wide open. And I could just see that early in the game 
to, um, you know, kind of closer to the goal line, try and get Slayton open or maybe even on a jet sweep or something like that. Not typically what they do with him, but I, I could just see something like that to get him back in the game. Yeah. Slayton's been a good soldier. I mean, in his defense, he is, he was a, a fifth round draft pick or something, right? He came in, he's been effective while he plays, you know, they wanted to run him out of town earlier this year. He hung around, he's played well, he's been a good soldier. So, you know, I think they try and repay him. So I don't know. That's just my dumb brain. No, I like it. I like it. I wonder what Breida's odds would be too. That'd be, that could be, that, I, I think that's an interesting one too. And and by the way, I mean, you're, you're coming on Hodgins. I mean, this guy's a fucking animal. Like what, what, where he's, he's what Galladay should be. I know we plucked him out of the bill system. I think he was their project over there, but they, they waved him two or three times over the last year, just because the bills are so loaded at receiver and uh, Shane and Dave all stole him, saw what they liked up there. And I mean, he, he's definitely like a, a nice two, three going forward. Like, I, I don't think he'll ever be a one, but he's got the size. He's got the hands. He's got pretty good speed. I, I really like him. He doesn't have a drop all year. Yeah, no, I agree. He's got a good body. He runs good routes. It appears. I mean, I don't know that much about football, but he run, appears to run good routes. We should also give Galladay a shout out. I don't recall what the play was, but he had a great block on a run play to the outside and good for him. Seriously, yeah. I'm being serious. Yeah, seventy-two million dollar block. Listens, so right, yeah, he earned a lot of money for that. At least I think it was forty million guaranteed that he'll he'll walk away with when we cut him in the offseason. So at least he earned it there. What, what were your uh, emotions in kind of last week's game against the Vikings? Uh, were you pretty confident? Were you worried at times? Or It seems like, I mean, we scored basically every time we touched the ball. Like, I had zero doubts in the offense. And and I really liked A-Ball's game plan. Like, they, they've been pretty run-heavy most of the year. Like, they, he was slinging it. And I loved it. A lot of first-down throws. If that wasn't complete, they weren't doing the, the second-down run, which I always hate. They just, they were slinging... Jones over 300 yards passing. Like I said, he was perfect. So uh, it never really felt like they were going to lose that game. I agree. It got to the point, though, and I'd say late in the third quarter where it felt like if they were going to lose, it was going to feel really bad. Like, I, I don't like getting my hopes up for anything, but they had played so well to that point that it just that that felt like it was going to hurt a little bit if, if they ultimately lost. But there was no indication they were going to do that. Um, the other thing, I don't know, the game just felt weird. And maybe because I don't know why it felt like this, but it wasn't like a, the highest scoring game of all time, obviously, but it did felt like a track meet. Like it just didn't stop. Um, yeah. Like the plays just kept coming and coming and they were just fast. I, I don't know. Cause I guess probably cause neither defense really stopped the other team. So it felt like every time the offense got the ball, it just kind of marched down the field, um, but not with really big plays, just kind of more methodically. And it just felt like the game never stopped. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I don't think our defense necessarily played particularly great, which is what worries me this weekend, but they did, they did get two, stops in a row in the fourth quarter when it mattered and they kind of mixed some things up there, um, which worked. And Dexter Lawrence was just an absolute beast all day long and was in the backfield very quickly. So you, you asked why he checked it down to Hawkinson. It's if you watch the replay, Lawrence is in the backfield in like a second. He kind of just had to fling it away. Did, did awesome. he, did he say any, like did cousins or, uh, O'Connell, the Vikings coach say anything about that play or that throw really? No, I saw they fired the defensive coordinator today. There's DCs dropping left and right all over the league as the fall guys, which I find funny. Um, yeah. For these offensive head coaches that come in and probably do nothing on that side of the ball, and then they need a scapegoat when they lose a playoff game, like Staley did it too. Oh, no, I guess Staley did it with the offensive coordinator. But. McDaniel did it. But I think sometimes, like, I think these offensive coaches, like, inherit the defensive coordinator from a prior regime. I think that was the case here. Um, sure. I think that was the case in Miami too. But yeah, no, agreed. It's totally like a scapegoat thing. Just a couple other stats. I mean, the Eagles were 14-0 when Hurts and Jordan Davis played this year. So that does scare me a, a little bit. And like I said, the Giants defense has struggled. The Eagles run the shit out of the ball. It sounds like everybody's healthy. Lane Johnson, Jalen Hurts off the practice report. 
I expect a lot of points in this one too, especially if the Giants are going to keep slinging it like they have. So I'm definitely not going to be the under on this one, which means it'll probably hit. <laughs> You're in your own head. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing sides anymore. I'm telling you right now. Don't let me, please. Uh, Cle- Cle- Blakeman, the official on this one. Uh, underdogs nine and two against the spread in his previous eleven playoff games, but he's very good to the Eagles. Three and zero straight up and against the spread against the Giants when Blakeman is the head official. And overall, they're 11 and four straight up in cleat games. So uh, overall, cleat, his team has called the third most penalties in the NFL this season, 197. So I think we used to be big cleat guys, but this year, uh, I don't believe that that's also been the case. Trav, I don't know. I defer to you on that. Yeah, I felt like he's had a rough year for us. I mean, Mark, you've called him out in particular a couple times specifically. So yeah, the bloom is off the rose a little bit. Yeah. All right, so Eagles first half, I do like that. Mark threw that one out. Uh, I'm guessing everyone's going to be teasing this down with the Chiefs. Uh, Eagles seven and a half looks pretty good, but probably sprinkle some Giants money line too, just in case, because you never know. I I don't like the Super Bowl comparisons though, Trav. Everyone's throwing out like this feels like 2007. That team was freaking loaded. This one is not. I mean, I don't know. They they relied on a lot of rookies in big spots in 2007. But they I had a real know. offensive line. They had they had a very good offensive line. Uh, they had you know, Tuck, OC, and Strahan. Right? Yep. No, I agree with that. I mean, they are, and I think we sent somebody sent this around before. But they're six and zero in the playoffs outright against the one seed, right in their history. Yes. Um, Is that good know. or bad? Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah, I hear it. <laughs> All right, moving to Sunday, three p.m. They, they, this used to be one and four thirty always, but I think last year. They, they moved the divisional round Sunday games back. So now first game's not till three, which sucks having to wait that long. I really don't like it, but you get Bills, Chiefs at three, Tony and Jim on the call on CBS. Uh, this is this line's been all over the place. Open like Bills four and a half, came down a little bit. Now it's I'm seeing Bills five and a half. So I'm kind of annoyed I didn't I didn't take the Bills earlier. I feel like both these teams looked bad last week. So I don't know if you can necessarily buy anyone. Uh but Bengals obviously losing all those offensive line guys is, is troublesome, and and the, uh, their secondary did not look good. Eli Apple got absolutely toasted on that Demarcus Robinson touchdown. So Allen had some gorgeous, gorgeous deep balls. If that one wasn't dropped towards the end of the first half, then they probably rolled to a cover. But uh, Bills were throwing it deep. I don't know. I, I feel like Bills is the side here, but getting pretty faith happy two in a row here. What what did you think, Mark? Yeah, I kind of lean Bills uh, as well. I kind of like the trends. Um, and just the Bills in general last week, I thought it was like a very sloppy game. A uh, bunch of turnovers from Josh Allen, so maybe some turnover turnover reversion this week. Um, you mentioned the the Cincinnati offensive line. I, I think McDermott could kind of exploit that. I, I am a little bit surprised. I think the Bills closed uh, minus two and a half in Cincy, that game that got canceled because of DeMar Hamlin. Um, so for it to only be five and a half here, a little surprising. So I, I, I'm curious if there's much value. I don't know, but curious. What what do you, what do you think, Trav? I like the Bills too. I mean, even at five and a half, I'm okay with it. I mean, Mark, you mentioned the turnovers last weekend. I mean, it did feel like that game was close because of Buffalo's shitty turnovers, and Cincinnati only won because of the big turnover that they got. So both teams, you know, one team suffered from turnover luck, one team benefited from tur- turnover luck. So. I think the reversion there, or at least balancing it out, makes a big difference. You know, the other thing with Buffalo, a guy I really like, I, I just looked up, I don't know that he's really that productive, but I think it brings a little bit of a different dimension to their offenses, Isaiah McKenzie, and the return game too. Um, he didn't play last week. He's coming back this week. I like him a lot. So that that kind of, not that that player tilts the scales for me, but I think they just get a little bit more even with what they can do offensively. 
Um, so I do like the Bills. I mean, on the flip side, Cincinnati's eight and zero against the spread as a dog in their last eight. Burrow's thirteen and two against the spread as a dog above a field goal in his career. And the Bills are zero and four against the spread in their last four games against teams with winning records. So um, I don't love any of those statistics, but I still like that turnover kind of normalization um, and some, you know. Like Buffalo is just not going to play that way again, I would guess. But Cincinnati definitely has another gear too. But then, to your point, Mike, you factor in the offensive line health. Yeah, I'm I'm leading Buffalo. Do you think we get Demar Hamlin in the building for this, or is it absolutely? I really yeah, that'd, that'd be. Bad. I think I he's got to be. He's got to be. He's been at the facility all week. They got to do okay. something, especially with the Bengals there, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's gonna be pretty cool. Like um, I said last week, couldn't waste it on the Dolphins game, although they, they could have needed it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What did you guys make of just the Cincy Baltimore game last week? I was in a little bit of a haze. It was late in the evening. Um, had had a few, so uh, wasn't like totally, I guess, locked into what was happening. Bengals were sloppy. That's I don't really know other way to describe it. But I mean, we we knew that the Ravens D was good and liked them plus eight and a half for that reason. I don't know. It was a little concerning. Just their offense in general, only seventeen points at home. I guess the team that, that they've played pretty well, especially in the last couple of years, too. We, we did talk about how good the Baltimore defense was. I feel like we kind of nailed that idea that they're going to play well. Yeah. And the Bills D can be had, obviously. Yep. Definitely. I don't know. I mean, it's still, I, I'm going to take the Bills, but I'm, I'm terrified of Burrow the entire time. Like, he's just the one guy who can put you on the back for a cover, right? Yep. Uh, the chef, Carl Sheffers, doing this one. See, he, he's called the most penalties this year. I, I thought that was surprising. Just I, I don't know how many games I've seen of his this year, but I feel like he hasn't totally screwed us or, or screwed me. I, I agree. Seems uh, pretty neutral. Yeah. Seems like a lot of false starts hmm. I'm reading now. So maybe that's not on him. Although I, I, I swear, like there's false starts on every play now. I, totally I don't know agree. if it's like me or what's going on, but it seemed like the Jags were doing it. It seemed like the Vikings were doing it a lot. And they just don't call it. They also don't ever call a delay of game anymore. And the Dolphins were taking it down to zero seconds every single play. I don't know why that was so hard for them to get to play in. And they got they got called for a few of them. But yeah, yeah, the, why, why? The, yeah. The delay the delay of games by the Dolphins were crazy. I mean, Joey Bosa I think has like a right to be livid after that Jags false start. I can't remember if it was a third down or if it was a two point conversion. Yeah, but if you don't throw your helmet, then no, I know, I know. But, uh, and they don't go for two. And it, it was such a key play. I think it was like a third down play, right? Yeah, he's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> a bunch of people have called Staley out, but it, it was kind of strange for him to like pick up Bose's helmet like after he. <laughs> it's like what head coach is doing that? It's like crazy. Can you guys believe that Staley's coming back after that? Or are they just that cheap? Uh, I, I think they're pretty cheap, but. I yeah, mean, I, don't I was know. a little surprised. I just don't know. And we kind of like we spent a lot of time talking about that game last week and maybe a little bit in the wake of the game, too, in our texts. But like, I feel like people and us included have a vision of the Chargers being something that they're not. And that starts with the coach. And I think it goes to like the talent, too. Like they have a roster and name, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, they really didn't beat anybody impressive this year. Like they were given that that game shouldn't have even been 27 nothing at halftime. Like they should have been up thirty five or forty nothing, yeah. With with the amount of gifts they got, I, I just hope Staley reverts to his first year and just goes down swinging with the the fourth downs and more of like a variance of, on offense and all that. So TBD. Yeah, 
All right, and then the last game, Niners Cowboys, bringing it back to the '90s with this one. I don't know. I struggle with this one more than than any of the other sides because it seems like uh, the split is uh, public bets are on the Niners, sharp bets are on the Cowboys. Sixty-two percent of the bets are on the Niners. Seventy-three percent of the money's on Dallas. Uh, similar splits to the Cincy Buffalo game with the sharp money being on the Bills. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really want to take the Cowboys. That that performance seems a little too good to be true, and and the Bucks are awful. So. San Francisco's D is great, and I, I don't know which way to go here. I, I I continue to wait for McCarthy and Dak to screw up. They I don't know if they can have two good playoff games in a row. Uh, Trav, how are you leaning on this one? I'm probably just going to go rely on the trends and grab Dallas at four. They're getting forty percent of the bets, seventy percent of the money. So I just think that's the side I feel like I should be on. Um, I the flip side of that is I just I don't trust them at all, and I feel like people are going to buy into you know them beating up the Bucks, who absolutely suck. So I don't know. I don't feel very confident about it. This game I'm probably gonna have to figure out over the weekend, but right now I'd lean Dallas. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm on Dallas here. I got a couple stats to throw out. So Purdy been very impressive, but he's done it against some some poor defenses. He's faced only one top twelve DVO, DVOA defense uh since he started. Um that was the commanders, I think, who were missing a bunch of players or or starters in their secondary when they played. He's otherwise faced Tampa, who's kind of middling, and then uh, Seattle twice, Las Vegas, and Arizona. So not like a murderer's row of, of good defenses. Um, and then on the flip side, Dallas is the best offense the Niners uh, have faced in, in quite a while. Um, I think outside of facing Miami uh, with Tua in Week 13, the Niners have not faced a single uh, top top 15 quarterback since Mahomes in Week 7. There, there has been some some cracks in the armor in that Niners defense. Um, Seattle kind of showed it a little bit in the first half last week. And then if you go back to that Raiders-Niners game, which was either week 17 or week 18, where, blanking uh, on the name of the, the Raiders' backup quarterback, but he, he played pretty well in his first start. Um, Stidham. Stidham. Yeah, he played well against the Niners. So I, I, I do wonder if the Niners' defense is all it's cracked up to be. Um, I still think they're very good, but um, maybe they're not elite necessarily. How about the kicking game, though? I mean, this could come down to a kicking game, and the, the Dallas kicker last week missed all those extra points. It sounds like they're going to go with him this weekend. Um, just got to wonder where his head's at. I kind of like kicker props, like taking taking the good for him, right? Think he gets it figured out? Or is this like one of those you can't come back from situations? Four is a lot. So the only thing I was thinking, I don't know if you guys remember this, I think it was a Thursday night game. Tampa played, I, I want to say it was the Patriots, and Nick Folk was the kicker for Tampa. And he had this absolutely dreadful game, and he was cut the next week. And it was on that same field. I was just wondering if it's that field in Tampa hmm. that makes these kickers uh, perform poorly. But interesting. Yeah, that was brutal. That was yeah. I mean, th- thankfully it wasn't a close game for for the kicker. I mean, that that, that could have been awful. Who's the weakest kicker left of the of the bunch? Besides this, Maher? Besides this guy, yeah. I mean, even McPherson and Sensi, I feel like he's had a shaky year, right? Yeah, he definitely right. has. Yeah, he good was call. awesome last postseason, but yeah, that's a good call. Uh, mm. And that that Jags kick at the end, that that was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, Riley Patterson, I guess second year. Uh, Vinovich, the official in this one, fewest penalties in the NFL. Yeah, nothing bad to say about him. So excited that we get to finish the weekend with Bill. Yeah, we should. Um, I was looking at the DVOA before, so. You have six. The top six teams in DVOA are left in the playoffs, and then Jacksonville is thirteenth, and the Giants are twenty-first. <laughs> wow! I think I mean, the Giants have by far the worst defense left. That's what worries me the most. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so but, hey, NFC East, first time ever, three teams in the divisional round. By any, yeah, 
many divisions. That's pretty sweet. Pretty Wait, cool. it's the first time ever a division has had three teams the divisional round? Yeah. Wow. Even since like the, the division changes? You know, like when they used to have three divisions? Since, since this, since this current layout. Okay. Which is since Still. 2002, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. super impressive. I was curious, what, what game you guys think is going to be highest rated? Because last week's Saturday night game was not the highest rated. It was uh, Jags, Chargers. Um, that was the lowest rated, right? I think that was the lowest rated, yeah. Two small markets. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, think yeah. it's got to be It's got to be Niners, Cowboys. Like, yeah. It's going to crush. Bills, 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 Bengals is going to do really good though too because the three o'clock start. The second half of that game is going to have a really big number, like from five o'clock on. You don't think the Eagles Giants could compete with Dallas Niners? <laughs> Saturday night, it's a Northeast only game. You know, Cowboys fans are everywhere, man. Yeah, like there's a reason so they're, not, they're on NBC a lot. The reason they're on NBC, they they want the Cowboys. The Steelers are probably the second most highly rated team across the country. It's just like everyone loves the Cowboys. I mean, we grew up with plenty of Cowboys fans in Jersey too. So, yeah, front running bastards. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Giants Eagles is a little. It, it, it's not. I don't. It just doesn't have the national appeal. It's like the Subway Series. Yeah, yeah. it's fun for us. And Chiefs Chargers. I mean, Chiefs Jags. That's a. If it's not close, that's a stinker. It is always interesting. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but like. And I'd be curious to go back and read the history of the AFC TV deals or whatever. And they may be even now because of the way they split the games ultimately. But you know, when you lay out the cities that make up the AFC against the cities that make up the NFC, it's so lopsided. It's crazy in terms of population and demographics. I mean, just look at this weekend. Your AFC cities are Kansas City, Jacksonville, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. <laughs> wow. Like not not to disparage those cities. I there I'm sure there's wonderful people and there's a lot of culture. And I've spent plenty of time in Buffalo, which is at this point just a rotting shell of a you know steel town. But I mean that doesn't really compare. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that's why Fox used to pay more for the NFC package. Totally, definitely. That's but, what I say. I, I don't know if those contracts have evened out at this point. I don't know, but it used to be a significant disparity. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good call. Um, I got a couple props to throw out that I like. Uh, I'm off of unders. I'm just on a, some props. I, I mainly like Josh Allen's over rushing yards, 40 and a half. I just think he he saves his runs for for big games, and he's a little reckless sometimes when he runs too. He'll he'll dive forward for the extra yard. So I don't think 40 and a half is that much for for him to get over. And uh, maybe after a couple bad turnovers, he'll be looking more to run this week. And then on the flip side, I think I would might. Look to fade Daniel Jones's rushing over, but I have I haven't committed to that one yet, just because I feel like the secret's kind of out now. But maybe you can't stop it. The the quarterback rushing overs are always terrifying with the uh, the kneel downs. Yeah, the kneel downs yeah. at the end. Um, I, I will never forget uh, Mahomes in that Super Bowl <laughs> taking those like eight yard losses for uh, <laughs> yeah. kneel downs. Yeah, because he put a little extra on it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I, li- I like the the idea of, of betting on Josh. Uh, <clears throat> you guys got anything? I mean, Trav, you gave out those touchdown scores. Any other TD scores you like in the other games? I like to throw out like the uh, first touchdown score. Uh, they're kind of like dart throws. Um, I kind of like Tony, Kadarius Tony in the first game to score the first touchdown for the Chiefs. Mm. Like that. Um, kind of random, but... He might pull a hammy while he scores, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... We only have seven football games left this year, which is pretty depressing. So four pretty good ones, then two next Sunday, 
and then a then a skills competition break, and then we get to the Super Bowl. So uh, pretty sad overall. I didn't really hit me la- last weekend. Like felt like a normal football weekend just because there's six games, but uh, this weekend kind of sucks. And I do I do have to say I love not having a Thursday game. I feel like that really was like stressful having to worry about that. Just that it was on, like keeping tabs on the team, like. The game sucked, but you still kind of, kind of like have it on the iPad, like even if it's on mute. Like it's really relaxing without having the Thursday package. I, I agree. I, it's like too much football, and it's like, of course, I have to follow it or somewhat plan my night around catching some of it. Yeah, um, just kills your week. It's yeah, you know, it's three nights. You're done. I know. Uh, uh, you guys sound pretty spoiled. I don't know. Like, I agree with you. Like it does feel like a chore most nights, but I don't know. I like a night with football better than a night without it. Yeah, you're I right. Guess. I think even during COVID, we were saying like how great it is to have football and we should be so grateful. I, I won't be saying this in two weeks, but I feel like after yeah. the slog of the season with the pot, we tape the pot on Wednesday, then you get the game on Thursday, and then it's like two stressful days of making our picks, then stressing our picks out Sunday and Monday. It's like, man, it's a lot. Uh, but it's awesome. I mean, I'm not going to trade it for anything. So uh, we will uh, be back next week to talk the two conference championship games with Mark. Uh, we got some trivia to do. Yeah. Um, so let me re- recap last week's listener trivia. Uh, I had asked, I think we had discussed Patrick Holmes and his dominance against the Denver Broncos, uh, whom he's never lost a game to in his career. He's now uh, 11-0 against the Broncos. I asked, can you name the other quarterback in the Super Bowl era with at least 10 wins and no losses against a single opponent? I got one guess on the on the docket. Doug Breckner, thank you for your guess. Uh, he guessed Russell Wilson against the New Orleans Saints. Um, that's unfortunately not correct, but I appreciate the guess, Doug. Uh, the correct answer was Andrew Luck, uh, who's 11-0, or was 11-0 uh, in his career against the, the Tennessee Titans. So kind of a random one. But uh, appreciate the guess for you guys this week. I came across the the top five list for most receiving yards in NFL playoff history, and I thought it was kind of an interesting list. I was curious if you guys could name the top five players with the most receiving yards in NFL playoff history. Total yards, not per game. Total yards. All right, uh, Trav, you're up one, so I'm gonna go first this week. Jerry Rice. Yep, Jerry Rice is number one. Uh, 2,245 yards. Wow. 29 games. It's freaking remarkable. Mm. Terrell Owens? Uh, I don't see Terrell Owens in the top 20. I only have the top 20 in front of me. Edelman? Edelman, number two. I'm Mm. shocked you got him. I, I wouldn't... I think you guys was gonna get him. Um, Edelman has four uh, one thousand four hundred forty two yards in his playoff career. You go a different Patriot Gronk. Gronk is number three. Um, wow, look at us. Third one thousand three hundred eighty nine yards for Gronk. Hmm. Little little Gronk coming back buzz. I feel like depending where Brady lands. Come on. <laughs> Nobody cares. I know. John Taylor? Hmm. Uh, I don't see John Taylor in the top 20. Okay. Try to get cute. <laughs> I like that. Marvin Harrison? Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. Yeah, I would have thought that too. I, I don't see him in the top 20 either. Reggie Wayne? Reggie Wayne's number seven. 
Um, mm. I, I wonder that was the danger when, of guessing Harrison. <laughs> yeah. With, with Harrison, I, I feel like a lot of his teams were on first round buys and then it was like one and done for a lot of those Colts teams. Right. Mm. Dion Branch. It's a good guess. He is in the top 20. Um, number 19. Nice pull. Uh, Marquez Colston. I guess you're going off the rocker here. Like <laughs> okay. that, that was the, that was on my mind because okay. the Saints felt like they had to have one, and that's all I could come up with. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about guys who have had some longevity, played for. I got one playoff teams perennially. Let's hear it. Art Monk. Art Monk is in the top twenty as well. It's a good guess. Fuck. Number fourteen. You guys want a hint? No, no, let no, it let it just go no. a couple more. Let's simmer. Uh, <laughs> Randy Moss. Randy Moss, number 18. Okay. Basic. I'm down to two guys here to align them with the quarterback. And I'm going to, this feels dumb, but I'm going to go Randall Cobb. I don't see him up here. Mm, okay. I do like that guess, though. Uh, Steve Smith. Steve Smith, number 17. Ah. <sighs> So it's, it's, well, it's interesting. I mean, Jerry played 19 seasons. I don't know if he's in the playoffs all those seasons or what, but um, Julian Edelman played 10, Gronk 11. And then the other two guys on this list are in the top five, rather. Seven years and six years currently. That they, that they have played or in the playoffs? In the playoffs, sorry. In the playoffs. This is a weird one. Robert Woods? Uh, nope, not Robert Woods. Demarius Thomas. That's a good guess. I, I don't see him up yeah. here. I'm surprised. It's, um, it's not Demarius. Uh, I'm going to give you decades. Okay. One guy played in the 90s, primarily. And then the other guy is currently active. Okay. There's one 90s guy we haven't guessed. Hmm. This is you. I know, I know. Dead air, dead <laughs> air. Making, weird. Right. making the guest count. Weird. <laughs> Chris Carter. Uh, it's not Chris Carter. I don't see him in the top 20. I'm surprised. Now, how could we go this long and no one guess Michael Irvin? <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Yep. Michael's number four. Nicely oh. done, Mike. <laughs> That's a good impression. Really good. <laughs> gives me the point. We're tied up. The yeah. other guy is active. Mm. Mike Evans? Uh, not Mike Evans. Nope. Julio? Nope, not Julio. Come on, guys. This is... Well, at this point, it doesn't matter, so we can just start throwing out names. Yeah. Uh, uh, Diggs? Uh, nope. Hill? Not Tyreek. Close. Kelsey? Kelsey. Yeah. Wow. Number five. Yeah, we could have gotten Irvin and Kelsey quicker, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Was, Irvin was that was that was good job. I, you him. know what? I, I was I was like mind fucking myself out of Irvin because it was like the Cowboys didn't actually have that many playoff games because they would get buys, and then I feel like it was a lot of Emmett. I don't know. Still three Super Bowls. Um, yeah, three Super Bowls. You're right. Okay, it's not games right uh, there. All right, tied up, going into conference championship Sunday. I feel like we're always close. <clears throat> Love that. Um, all right, let me send the, the listeners out with one. In the common draft era, which began in 1967, we're kind of moving off to, to draft talk, um, although we're, I guess we're still in 
fired coaches season, but there are three teams in the common draft era that have picked the most players in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Uh, can you name those three teams? I'll give you guys one hint. One of those teams moved in to a three-way tie last year. Can you name the three teams that have picked the most players in the top 10 since 1967? All right. Fun question. Uh, get us your guesses however you normally do. Need some more this week. Uh, one, one nugget I wanted to throw out before we leave. I just The last two Giants-Eagles playoff games have both been in Philly, I believe. 2008 Divisional, Eagles won 23-11. Philly listeners will finally remember that as the last playoff win during the Andy Reid-Donovan McNabb era. And then I believe we lost to them in either the wild card or the divisional round in 2006, the year before we won the Super Bowl, and lost to Jeff Garcia, which I had totally blacked out of my mind, maybe because that was during college. But uh, I don't know if you remember that one finally, Trev. I just wanted to point that out before we get out of here. Yep, good call. I think David Akers hit the game winner in that one. Uh, Sounds right. Giant killer, David Akers. So uh, Giants fans, enjoy this one. Eagles fans that I know, uh, screw you guys until next week. And uh, we'll talk to you then.